Welcome back to How to Broker Radio Station Alumni Interviews Podcast Part 2. If you haven't listened to Part 1, then check it out. Otherwise, we hope you enjoy. You are why. Now, Dave, we are all human. What is the worst mistake you've ever made and what did you learn from it? It's the silly things uh, along the lines of uh, measure twice, cut once. When doing the new studios, I remember not running the longest length of multicore first. So when we did come to do it, we were about three metres short. Um, not wearing safety goggles when testing out circuits. And I managed to explode a chip just below my eye. Uh, work-wise, <coughs> code reviews. Um, sorry, software engineer now, when I was doing some CCTV software. Uh, and an error condition meant it blanked all the monitors on the customer system. All down to one semicolon inserted where it should have been. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's the craziest or most fun setup that you've ever done for URY or otherwise? One of the open days. URY was on Vanbrugh Paradise. Wise TV were on the roof of Goodrick, Nucleus as it was. We still had the roof access harnesses sitting in the station because we'd been doing transmission maintenance and then um, we went and doorstepped them with a radio mic and had an interview basically across the lake. I know now you've got IP feeds all over the place and everything's nice and easy if you want to do an OB from anywhere to anywhere. They did uh, Battle of the Bands down in Wentworth and it was sort of, okay, how do you get the feedback from there? And we ran an OB feed from Wenty up to Central Hall and we'd go and use, get a boat and go across the lake and then the lake froze. So we were climbing around the edge of the lake with the, the drummer cable and uh, we're flicking the cable along the top of the ice to, to put it into the middle of the lake. So finally, do you have any advice that you'd like to give to new or continuing engineers at URI? Don't be afraid of it, basically. It's not rocket science. And uh, if you can sit down there and work it through logically, plan what you need to do. To be honest, you can do the whole lot. It, it's not that difficult. URI! So, Paul, where would you say your experience in URI has taken you? Do you still work in engineering? No, I'm I'm working in engineering. I'm, I work as a electronics and software engineer. Um, the, well, it's, I'll, I'll say two things. One is um, I got quite a lot of practical experience from doing bits of electronics at UOI that I didn't get from my in electronic engineering degree course. So it was useful for that. Um, but also, the stuff you do at university. It, doesn't have to be CV building. You just do do it because it's fun, and it was a it was a, a an extremely enjoyable time. I spent a lot of time in, in, at the radio station. I ended up doing quite a lot of um, of the server admin. So we had, a, I think, when um, we moved into the new studios was the first time we'd actually had a an actual URY server. Uh, it was a box running Linux or maybe even BSD Unix or something um, that we we could. Uh, manage all our own emails and have had your own email accounts and mailing lists and all that sort of stuff. So I learned quite a lot from doing that that was completely unrelated really to radio or indeed to electronics. But I do end up using a surprising amount of those sorts of skills uh, as a sort of like just an adjunct to the to the day job. And it's surprising how useful you can make yourself if you have a little bit of... Um, alternative skills we're all human so what's the worst mistake that you've ever made in engineering and what did you learn from it one slight catastrophe that, that happened that i was witness to was after 
after the SU elections, um, we'd done a sort of almost all night. I don't know if the, if the SU elections still done like this, but they, you know they start late at night and they go on, and we used to broadcast the whole lot right until the very end, and and then you had to sort of pack up and dismantle temporary studio, and uh, it was probably four. It was daylight. It was like four or five in the morning, summer term, and someone decided to. Uh, we were pushing back uh, one of the big uh, flight cases that had all the OB equipment in. Uh, on casters and something else stood on top of it mixing desk or something balanced on top of that and piled right on the very top was a big uh the reel-to-reel revox tape which had the the master recording of all of the output from the night sat on top and someone decided to ride it down the ramp um next to the lake uh front of vampa paradise uh, and slightly lost control Unfortunately, the kit didn't end up in the lake, but the reel did. <laughs> uh, we ended up <laughs> fishing it out with bits of sticks and whatever and just pulling up lengths of magnetic tape and, <laughs> and no reel. <laughs> and I think it just got abandoned. It's probably still there to this day unless they've drained the lake in the meantime. Um, but uh, yeah, SU elections, it was uh, we basically moved the entire station into Goodrick, well, rooming Goodrick College and we had... Um, Roving mics out in the sort of counting hall, going in interviewing people, and a uh, couple of presenters, like two or three different mixing desks. I was I went to, back to York uh, for the fiftieth anniversary last year, and it, it was this sudden realization. Actually, you've got this sort of like chain of uh, of people who've you know, handed it on from to next generation, but you've got this very narrow window of like you know you know the people who are a year or two above you, and you know the people who are a year or two after you. Um, but so much goes on that you've just you know got no visibility of, and you just it was always it was one of the things that happened during the move. Actually, was that we were forced to just uh, you know unpack boxes and cupboards and things and find all sorts of. Um, bits of archive material, you know, the, the letters from, I can't remember where it was, Tunisia or somewhere, where people had said they were listening to our AM broadcasts. <laughs> and, just, oh. and every generation of students, I guess, want to put their mark on the station and, and it's completely unrecognisable uh, from where it was like 25 years ago, 20 20 years ago when I left. The the old AM transmitter, when they're on 999 kilohertz, um, was this induction loop system, and it, it was built... I think it had been carefully designed at some point in the past. It had um, seven transmitter cards, sort of identical, that would sort of plug in modules, and cables came out, went off to each of the colleges. Um, and it had been... Some, some students at some point in the past had done the design for the actual transmitter and produced the PCBs and built it all up and... And then at some future generation, they decided they were going to redesign it, um, but hadn't bothered to remake any of the PCBs. So the circuit that was actually on these cards bore no relation to what the actual printed circuit on the boards was supposed to be. It was just components with legs up soldered onto other components and <laughs> bits of wire wrap over here and there and tracks cut. And <laughs> it was just such a higgledy-piggledy thing that had just evolved. Well, if there's anything that I regret about my time at UI, I wasn't getting stuck in early enough I because um, I felt like I didn't really know what I needed, what what I was doing, or didn't really have anything to bring. I was, I would, I'd spent quite a lot of my odd bits of stuff I did in my first year was just like, yeah, carrying cables and uh, not really 
you know, trying to keep out of people's way <laughs> while slowly getting a bit of uh, knowledge and, uh, and competence. You are wise. Matt, uh, what would you say is the most fun or interesting setup you've done for UOI or otherwise? With UOI, I always enjoyed doing the Battle of the Bands. Loads of big gigs, which were put on by Bandsock, um, but the committee of that was all um, Bandsock, UOI, YSTV. We all put it on together and we covered it all live. And like, I, I enjoyed it particularly because we've got UOI and YSTV working together. UOI did the audio side, YSTV did the camera side. We joined forces and took it for the radio and for the TV. And then trying to get the feed of all of this round campus without streaming it because it was the mid-noughties and we didn't have the budget for that kind of technology. We did it all with cables from to do half a lap of the lake oh. back to URY and YSTV. <laughs> Luckily, modern technology makes that, that kind of thing probably a little bit easier for you now. <laughs> yeah. But that took quite a few weeks of preparation and poking around in places we shouldn't have been trying to find old 60s cables. Kendall Calling Festival a couple of years ago. We had a um, a stage for Radio X and it was pissing it down. And yes, there was a roof over my head, but it was still a stage, so it still can come in. So yeah, just chucked a bin bag over it. <laughs> I've broadcasted a few things from pubs as well. Um, and that means you get drunk people with pints, pints and mixers. They don't mix. Mm. Even given the name mixer, they shouldn't mix. <laughs> <laughs> bin bags are good for that as well. <laughs> Oh, and I've nicked cables off other broadcasters. I've, 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 I haven't got enough XLRs. Can I borrow one from you, please? To, like, Radio 2 at the Brits one year. <laughs> and vice versa. The best advice I can give is always ask questions. People don't ask questions I've found about stuff because they're afraid they're asking a stupid question. There's no such thing as a stupid question. People just have assumed knowledge, so they will just assume what they know, everyone else knows. So when trying to explain something, you might not understand it fully the first time, because you only get half the story, because they've only they've assumed the other half of it. So always ask questions. If you want to know how something works, you want to know how to do something, ask for help. If you're listening to this, feel free to message me. I'm at MattGrayS on Twitter mattg.co.uk if this is many years down the line and Twitter doesn't exist anymore I've got my contact details on there How did you find uh, coming back again recently and using Web Studio? I'd have to say when I, I, I did a, an alumni show a couple of weeks ago as we record this using Web Studio to be able to broadcast on a student station using tools that have been made in people's spare time out of the love of it and still being able to broadcast on a radio station from my bedroom is amazing. The fact that you have an entire web-based playout system that can use whatever microphone you've got at home, grab all of the audio and still be able to play it out, and then transport that all the way back to York and up to the transmitter. It should be commended that <laughs> you can even achieve that just out of your own spare time and no budget, because even some of the, let's say, professional broadcast playout stuff can't do it as straightforwardly as how web studio could 
and to be able to do it in such a way that students and non-radio professionals can use it re- really simply. Like, I, I was so impressed. Like, I spent a lot of time on the air at URY. Like, there was an entire lecture course that I hated. Uh, so I just didn't turn up. Wouldn't advise that at all. And <laughs> it was mostly sandwiched between two other lectures. So I'd just nip over to URY for an hour. And if it was on the sustaining service, if there was no one human on air, I would just nip in and do a 45-minute show and then go do another lecture, <laughs> as well as other shows all over the place. So to go from that to spending a lot of time out of doing stuff on the radio, to go back and then not only do another presenty radio show, but to do it on URI and still using BAPS, which, well, Web Studio based off BAPS, which I used myself what 12 years ago <laughs> that was great you are wise were there any other mistakes or incidences to deal with uh will or luke yeah getting in just getting in trouble a lot um <laughs> seemed to be what we're really good at uh i can't i can't really think of any other things we got in trouble for though. yeah uh, oh other than the um yeah. We we got a load of those acoustic tiles that again we just went and stuck on the wall and got in trouble for. Uh, and then they had to they had to take a tile to go and burn it to test it was fireproof. We've just spent hundreds of pounds on acoustic oh, tiles yeah. and we might not even yeah, be allowed to use them. I remember that? <laughs> um, and they were like, we have to take one of them and set fire to it. We were like, yeah. do you have any idea how much these tiles cost? You can't just go and set fire to them. <laughs> in fact, the biggest the biggest failure in that project which is a word that we still do not say. Are you going to say something called you... talk back. So basically the <laughs> ability to I said it. I said, I said I can't the word. Believe. <laughs> I I wanted to be the one to bring that up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. I, we don't we don't we don't speak of that, but it was the, the short version it was, it was a project it became a running joke in the community. It was a project that Luke and I took on um and it dragged out for well over a year or two and it never got finished and then we both left. It was. It would have given us the ability to talk between studios. It's worth saying there was a working talkback in before um, <laughs> we took this project on. <laughs> no, and I, don't I found... tell them about the working talkback. We took this wor- working. Let's just be clear on that. The working talkback system, and put it on the desk in the office. And Will got a hammer and just brutally destroyed this thing <laughs> because he hated it so much. I just got this slow motion video of like components flying off it and the plastic casing just coming to pieces. Yeah, I think it was installed by a guy who I didn't really get along with at the time. I think wasn't it wasn't it a member of our computing team or something? And it was it was in retrospect. I fully admit it was an extreme thing to do, but I said he can't do that. Who does he think he is? He's from the he's from the computer team. He's not the engineering team. He can't act. Rivals. So I said we're gonna get we're gonna get rid of it and we're gonna build our own. And we we achieved in the get rid of it. And then <laughs> yeah, in, in a comically embarrassing series of events, failed to replace it with our own, even though we were the engineering team and it was literally our job. So I learned some humility there. I took a big bite of humble pie. I think as an engineer, you always want to, you know, in software or hardware, you, you dream up the system and you, you add all the bells and whistles and you think this is going to be the best thing ever. It's going to blow people away. It's so complicated and have all these things. And you start on the bits that are fun to build without really considering. And so I guess if there are any budding engineers listening, the single best piece of advice I think I could give is if you start on any project for work or as a hobby, start with the minimum requirements 
requirements, really the minimum, throw all the fat away and just do the minimum, get it working, and then you can add on the fancy stuff that makes it more interesting and the fun stuff that makes it more fun to do. And I, th- I think with like the examples we've given of where we fell over in the studio rebuild, was it was the simple things, like the things that ended up taking the time was like oh, painting yeah. a wall. That, you know, that... soldering And soldering the cables as well, I remember. Soldering the cables, We yeah. thought that was going to be a relatively small job. And we got, we sort of did the first 10 or something and we looked at each other and said, we've really underestimated how but long that, this That was, was one take. of the all-nighters. And it ended up really, taking... As, yeah, just un- hanging underneath a desk, trying to solder in the wires to the new desk. A so great we... learning lesson in uh, how to underestimate the size of a task. Yes, yeah. How to not build a radio station should probably be. How to not build a radio station. (laughs) What's the craziest or most fun setup like for an OB or or, or, or event that you've done? For me, my personal favourite OB that we did was was my 21st, sorry, 22nd birthday. I set up an OB in my house for my birthday party because I basically really wanted to do my show, but it was also my birthday on the same day and I was having a house party. So I, I brought the engineering team at the time and they helped me set up. And then we had a seven piece brass band do a live performance from my living room um, sort of during this during this party. So it was half house party and half like live OB. And it, I just remember it for me as one of my highlights. God, sorry, I've, I've just remembered. Oh, no. Definitely, I can't believe I didn't remember this before. Was we were, we were doing an OB from... Uh, like the side of a rugby pitch or something because they wanted to commentate on the game but we didn't have power and our cable uh, like cable drum wasn't long enough to run power from the nearest the pavilion the only way we could think of doing it was nearby there was a little um, a donut van a guy said donut and he had a little generator running his donut van so we went over to him and we said um, we need your generator so if we buy all of your donuts will you lend us your generator for the afternoon and amazingly, he agreed to it. So we had a ton of donuts, which we gave out to everyone, and he lent us his electrical generator that we then used to power our OB for the rest of the day. <laughs> Luke, do you remember the angry man in the Jack Lyons concert hall? I don't think I do. Oh, you must remember this. We <clears throat> we were trying to take a live feed because an event was happening from there, and we went into the sort of the the control booth to try and find somewhere we could connect to or something. And we didn't mess around with things, but I think we unplugged one cable or something. And this guy came back. Are you remembering this? I, I remember I remember doing that event, but I don't remember Angry Man. Basically, this the guy, the technician who ran the audio there, sort of came in halfway through, and I've never seen someone lose their rag so much. If you're going to do things to other people's equipment, make sure you ask their permission first. Uh, when you graduated from York and left UOI, what was the one thing that you missed most? Uh, the people. Definitely yeah, people. that's exactly what I was going to say. I don't know, there's something about real life that doesn't always quite live up to the sort of spirit of like university radio. It's sort of, I don't know, the, the spirit and the character of UOI is just so unique and so fantastic and I've never been able to find anything that quite matched that. You know, it was really amazing. People were incredible. I think is the the energy as well that we all had for it. Um, I don't think I've ever spent a whole night awake trying to solder anything since you are wired yeah. days. Yeah. Um, but w- yeah. we just did that all the time. We'd just yeah. be we'd end up working there late, get some pizzas in, and then just yeah. spend the whole night. Yeah, but it's a passion passion project. So that's what I miss the most is everyone in your is there because they're passionate about it, and you that's a it's a hard thing to come by outside of university. 
And Steve, where has your experience with URY taken you? I, I'm one of the lucky ones that kind of carried on doing it uh, when I left uni. So I'm now at Global uh, Radio in London. Uh, I went to Leeds first, so I kind of applied for one grad scheme at Global, which they didn't give to me. Uh, but when they kind of turned me down, they said, keep an eye on our jobs board. Um so I did. And a couple of days later, a job appeared in Leeds for a broadcast engineer. Uh, <laughs> it was almost like they'd been saying, we want you to apply for this. <laughs> so I did. I was there for nine months before they had a new position in London that they asked me to apply for. So again, I did. And now I've been here for two years, I think. Two years, yeah. I'm, I'm glad I went via Leeds because it kind of gave me a chance to jump up from student radio to... Mm commercial radio without sort of that environment of lots of radio um, I do remember once taking uh, when I when I was at Global in Leeds I took uh, Capital Yorkshire off air it's a bit it's, it's a bit scary how easy it is to oh yeah yeah well it, it, it was one of those things we had a sort of a maintenance window every day for when we could restart certain machines because they were primarily on air all the time um, and I was all ready for this, for this window and then hit the wrong restart button on the wrong machine two minutes before the window started, which meant that, um, yeah, all of Global's output from Leeds went off air for two minutes. Um, and it was one of those things of, you know, everyone in the office is staring at you because you're the engineer and the station's gone off air. You should be doing something to fix it. And you're just sat there knowing that you've done the thing to break it. And there is nothing you can do until that machine restarts. So there's no point in you doing anything. I phoned my boss afterwards and he was just like, you're now properly a broadcast engineer. <laughs> <laughs> when you've taken the station off air, that's it. That's when you become a broadcast engineer. <laughs> so the, the one thing I always said to new engineers when I was there and, and to anyone even now who, who wants to get involved in tech but they're too afraid because they think they don't have the knowledge is none of us had the knowledge when we started none of us do now really we like pick it up as you go along you learn it you, you don't know until you break something and student radio is the best place to break it because at the end of the day there's there's other people there that can help fix it or you can help fix it and work out what you did wrong what's the what's the craziest most fun um setup you've ever done we went and did the start of the Tour de France. That was really cool because there was like a, a marquee that was basically Uni of York societies and, and one of the other groups that were in there were like a science department or something and they had some live animals, uh, including a snake. So we uh, managed to acquire the snake for a short while <laughs> and one of, one of the guys that I was with at the time really hated snakes. Um, and so he, uh, unknown to him we got this snake and then whilst he was live on air we handed it to him fortunately he was a good broadcaster and didn't swear despite the circumstances so uh, what's the one thing that you've been missing most about URY since you graduated the thing I love about URY and still do to this day is is how um, how forward it is with tech despite you know, I don't know what your budgets are like these days, but they were really bad when I was there. 
forever having to replace things because we had to buy them cheap because we didn't have the money to buy them in the first place. Um, and I think the fact that UOY has always been sort of at the front of radio technology despite those circumstances is, is quite amazing, really. There's a whole bunch of us who, who still massively appreciate UOY and where it's got us, um, so we'll always be happy to help. Neve, what would you say is the biggest mistake, I guess, that has happened during your time at URY, and what did you learn from it? Um, one of the things that went probably the worst whilst I was uh, chief engineer was uh, away roses in my second year, and we'd spent most of the year working with the computing team, and they'd made these great uh, Raspberry Pi kits that let us basically give the presenter a microphone that they just plug in and they could walk out and they'd be streaming back to base for us. Um, and it worked lovely on uh, York campus and we'd used it the year before and we'd had like minor teething issues but we'd, you know, fix them all. It was it should, should have been great. And we got to Lancaster and we realised that we hadn't checked if uh, the pies would work with the Lancaster Edgerone or if Lancaster even had the internet in very many places. Uh, the answer to both of those was no. And uh, it sort of went downhill from there. We couldn't stream most of the things we wanted to and we're having to come up with makeshift uh, using people's laptops and things and it all was incredibly stressful time. Um, I'm not sure very many people enjoyed that particular roses from a broadcasting point of view at all. Um, but it definitely taught me to try and make sure you check that the infrastructure that you're going to be relying on is A, there, and B, works when you uh, are going away from where you're usually operating. I think the, best, the biggest thing is to remember that you're doing student radio. It's not the end of the world. You're all there volunteering and doing it for fun. And if it's not fun, then what's the point? It's, it's one of those things, if it goes wrong, it's not the end of the world. You know, Ofcom don't even care if you, if you drop off. Like, you just tell them that you're going off air, and they're like, "Sure, whatever. Who, who even are you?" So, <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, try get. I say try get involved as much as possible because you'll learn. You'll learn a lot. You'll learn a lot whilst you're doing it. Um, but make sure you're having fun whilst you're doing it because if you're not, then there's no point. Because you're not getting paid, so you know, there's no point to be miserable. I was like one of the first people to get ladder trained during my time at URY and it was because our new satellite dish broke and we realised that none of us were technically allowed to go up and fix it um, because we didn't own a ladder and estates wouldn't let us have one without getting ladder trained so we had to uh, beg Yusu to let us get several of our engineers ladder trained so we could actually do what we needed to be done Can you reach the transmitter? The actual TX unit that you have to turn on and off at the start of every term, and there's a key in it that yeah. I cannot reach. <gasps> no! Oh, it is right at the top of that server bay. It's yeah, right I at the always... top. I, I, I used to have to stand on my tiptoes to see it. If there were any warning lights on there, I'd have to. Sometimes I'd have to take a picture if they were right at the top mm. to try and look at what was what had gone wrong. But uh, but it's uh, nice to have another female chief engineer after me. I think I was the the first that we could figure out from our history. There might have been one before we started recording it, but as far as we could tell, I was the first female chief engineer, so it's nice that there was a second one so soon after. 
I did appreciate you. Like as soon as as soon as I it was announced, sort of oh the new chief chief engineer is Jessica Scobridge. You were like, hi Jess, I'm the other female. Um, <laughs> yes, you'll uh, you'll probably find find there's not very many of us about. You are why now, Jacob. What's the craziest or most fun event you've done? Um. For URY, it would have been the Freshers Fair where we had the boat on the water mm. and we had two wireless mics on the boat and we had the very rudimentary talkback system onto the boat. Uh, and and that, was a, that, was, that was fun because we'd agreed with USU and the university to be lent a boat to go on the campus lake, um, which they don't really typically do. Uh, and there was a huge risk assessment. And I was the one there who had to sign off on it and also had to do the boat training. Everyone was like, oh, no, we want Jacob in the boat with us. Um, you know, we need Jacob in the boat. Jacob knows what he's doing. It's like, no, I mean, I don't know what I'm doing any more than anyone else. I just, and some of the things were, you know, were quite fun. Like if you, you know, the lake is not particularly deep. If you fall in the lake, my, the instruction that I was given to repeat to people was if you fall in the lake, don't try and get back in the boat because you'll capsize the boat and the other people will fall into, um, hold on to the side of the boat and try and walk yourself to land. And, uh, when you get out, um, go straight to hospital and have lots and lots of nasty antibiotics injections. Um, because the water is horrible. The, the, the lesson, the motto of this story is be confident in what you know. One of the other boys in my year was the child of a very well-known recording artist. If I said this person's name, you'd know instantly, you'd be able to sing their songs, um, whatever. And, um, oh, not child, relative, close relative. This recording artist um, liked to um, come in and watch the, 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 you know, the occasional performance at school. This boy, um, for his final musical performance at school, um, decided to... He was going to play a, a medley of his famous relative's music. But basically, I was put in charge of the sound for it uh, because we had no full-time technical staff at the school. The head of music was not technically minded. My keyboard amplifier was the, the biggest box on stage. Um, and we weren't amplifying, um, we weren't amplifying, you know, drums or guitars. We had vocal microphones and a, and a vocal PA for that. So I'd been batting off requests from various other boys to, to play using my guitar. So not play using my guitar, play using my keyboard amp. And, and I'd explain to them because I sort of had this idea. Um, so that there are two kinds of inputs. There's like a high Z input and there's a low Z input, like high and low impedance inputs. And it's generally not a good idea to mismatch them. Anyway, um, my music, the head of music comes over and says, Jacob, um, I've been told that you're not letting people use your amplifier. Uh, and that's very rude. And I'd like you to reconsider that decision. Um, and I knew that plugging a guitar into a keyboard amplifier was not going to work particularly well. I didn't know why. I couldn't explain impedance mismatches at this point in time to my head of music, who didn't understand it either. Anyway, I just caved there and then. And I said, sure, fine, whatever. So we're about halfway through, and this boy is going to use my, my keyboard amplifier to play his, his uh, guitar medley. And right at the back of the hall, I see this famous recording artist come in with his security detail and stand at the back by the uh, fire escape. And he starts playing, and it sounds awful. 
like overdriven, but also thin and tinny and just bad, just wrong. And there's a load of manic fiddling with the the free band EQ on my on my keyboard amp to try and get it to sound okay, and it's it, it's pointless and it does nothing. And he, full credit to this boy, look look looks back at me and goes, "Oh my, you know what's going on?" Um, but he, it's full credit to him. He finished. He finished playing. He did it. He got to the end. Um, and the, the moral of the story is be pretty, if you know something isn't going to work or, or be confident in that, I did not have a sufficient level of competence, even though I knew I knew more than my teacher to say why this wasn't going to work. Cause I didn't know why it wasn't going to work, but I, I'd basically just been telling people, no, 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 you can't use it, but not explaining, oh, it'll sound bad. If I said to him, no, it'll sound bad. He needs to use one of the guitar amps. Then maybe things would have turned out differently. I've made some incredible friendships and I've met some incredible people through URY. Um, and it's opened a load of, you know, doors to opportunities that I hadn't necess- wouldn't necessarily have had. So I'll miss that. I'll miss being a student in general. Um, and I'll miss, I mean, unless I can find a community radio station to work for, to volunteer for here in London, I'll, I'll miss doing radio. Um, there's something quite fun about that. Um, yeah, that's what I, I, I the, the community atmosphere is what I'll miss. Is there any advice, Natalie, that you'd like to leave behind for future engineers? One thing I really love about the current engineering team is it's such a team. It's not single, it's not individuals. Each individual makes up, has the really good um like all their merits and stuff like that but it's just nice to have that and just be always approachable I think that's one of the tips I would give for people who aren't necessarily starting but also the people who are going into like the next year of being the old wise ones just being approachable and saying hey I have I had no idea about this how many years ago what's the one thing about you are why um that you think you miss most the people if you just look at that shed if it didn't have that ui symbol it wouldn't mean anything like you know what i mean like the the equipment is really fun to try and it's an amazing playground as i've said previously but it's also the people that you try it with and go oh dear that's not the right cable and the <laughs> the, the look of the look of giving some certain looks of oh no or oh that could have caught on fire but it didn't that's good you know the 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 it wouldn't be as fun if I was just doing it by myself. It's always the people and the like, the team atmosphere that's very that I would miss. You are why. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed the podcast, then check out our previous episodes on our website, ury.org.uk, or via Spotify, iTunes, or other podcasting services. Thank you to Dave Stevenson, Paul Burns, Matt Gray, Will Bennett, Luke Sargent, Steve Clark. New Spikins, Natalie Harris and Jacob Dicker for taking part. Radio by students. For students. You are why. You are why.